This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now enjoy today's message with Ted Cunningham. Today we finish this till you can. Make that phone call uh, to your mom. Because uh, one day you may not be able to say you're sorry, say I love you. As we talk about love for a lifetime, and, and this picture always pops into my mind when I think about love for a lifetime. This precious couple, see, you're like, oh, Ted, low-hanging fruit there with that picture right there. Since 1952, I've never been a big fan of the anniversary cards that say, you made it, right? I, I want to know, what's the quality of this relationship, and we have a couple in our church that did this a few years ago. Um, this is Jim and Sharon Black, and I hope they're watching from home after Sharon's surgery last week. Amy and I had the opportunity to go uh, visit them in the hospital, and married 55 years since together since 1967, and um, it was pretty precious uh, after Sharon's surgery to hear Jim uh, speak of his love for his wife and the 55 years that they have had together. And the, the question I've been pondering, and I'd love for you to ponder it with me today, uh, this morning, is how do we measure love for one another? How do we measure that? How do we know we're doing it? Right? During the pandemic, we love to use the love your neighbor as yourself uh, with the restrictions and the mandates. If you love your neighbor, your church is going to stay closed. If you love your neighbor, you're going to open. If you love your neighbor, you're going to wear a mask. If you love your neighbor, you're not going to wear a mask. We, we had all these, but I'm like, how do we really know we love our neighbor. And Amy, Amy gives me a hard time on this all the time with my physical fitness. I, I like to compare my fitness to that of other people. I will look at someone who's not in the shape I'm in, and I'm just you know, in a little bit better shape than them, and I'll be like, well, at least I'm not in that kind of shape. And Amy's like, that is a terrible strategy for your health, Ted. And I'm like, this is the only reason I go to the beach <laughs> is so I can look around and be like, I'm feeling pretty good about myself uh, right now. That, that guy's trusting his swimsuit <laughs> way too much over there. Uh, that ain't happening over there. But, and I know that you're like, where are you going with this? I, I think that's a terrible way to measure whether or not you're in good shape looking at other people. We do this all the time, though, with our love. You know, at least I'm not, you know, treating people like he is. At least I don't talk to others like she does. I, I must be a loving person. And today, I think we start by understanding I don't measure my love based on the way other people love. Like, we, got, we have another way as followers of Jesus to measure the way we're loving one another because uh, it's Mother's Day, I had to pull out two of our favorite children's books. I think this is my wife's favorite children's book. I can't tell you how many times we read this to our children. But you know the story. It's little nut brown hair trying to describe and, and measure love for big nut brown hair. And I love you right this much. And this is where we get with our kids. I just, I love you this much. And, and then it's, no, I love you as high as I can reach. And what big nut brown hair would say is, yeah, but I can reach higher. I can. So I love you more. It ends with what actually is the title of another book, I Love You to the Moon and Back. And, and we would say this to our daughter, Corinne, all the time, love you to the moon and back. So today we want to dig into this, Romans chapter 13, if you have your Bibles. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 14, but we're going to start with this big idea with love. Love is a debt we never pay off. 
It's never paid in full. So we understand what scripture teaches. Proverbs 22, 7 says that we can actually become a slave to debt. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So the text we're going to look at in Romans 13, 8, it doesn't prohibit borrowing. It just says when you borrow, you become a slave to that. I remember when my friend Austin, I was 22, he was, I think, 29 years old. I went to work for him in South Georgia right out of college. Uh, he was pastoring a church, and he just got to a place that he felt he was owed an F-150. Like, I, I'm getting me an F-150. I'm going to get the best F-150 money can buy. And he went, I remember, he did. He went on the lot, bought an F-150. And I don't know if you remember these days, 25 years ago, but they used to send you payment books. Does anybody remember the payment books? I bet if we got back to that, there'd be less borrowing in our country today. Because I was there when Austin got his payment book on that F-150. And I can remember the, oh, you know why? Because the new truck smell was gone. And he couldn't wait. And, And you've had the relief from when you make that final payment. So you understand that the scripture tells us, Let no debt, this is where we start in the first part of verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding. Speaking primarily of respect and honor there, but money can also be included. But watch this. Except the continuing debt to love one another. Love is a debt never paid in full. We don't ever get to a place, follower of Jesus, where we go, I have loved that person enough. I can't think of one more thing I can do to show them love. And everybody in here has an EGR person in their life, an extra grace required person (laughs) that you have poured love on. And when you, that person comes to mind or you see that person coming at you, it's like, I can't, I can't do any more for this person. I've loved, I've loved. And you start to measure your love based on all the ways you've loved. So here's where we start today. It's never paid off. We don't ever get to a place where we go, I have loved enough. I've done enough. I've cared enough. And I've proven that I am a loving person. And I can't give anymore. I can't love anymore. Well, keep going in verse 8 because here's what we get. Number two, love fulfills the law. In Verse 8, the second part we read. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. What does that mean? Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He is the very fulfillment of it. And he is our ultimate measure of love, not our neighbor. And we get these commandments. You shall not commit adultery. But what did Jesus say? Before you pat yourself on the back for not committing adultery, if you have looked at a woman lustfully as to have her in your heart, you have committed adultery. That's what Jesus is saying. And by the way, you shall not murder, a commandment. And before you pat yourself on the back that you've not murdered, if you hold hatred in your heart toward a brother, Jesus brings all of these back where? To the heart. He goes to, to the seed, to where it starts. And look at the heart, not just the fact that you've obeyed these commandments. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one commandment, commandment that Jesus gave us, the great commandment. And it's simply this, love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to see what it says and what Jesus gave us. Wasn't love your neighbor as they love you. It doesn't say that. Treat your neighbor as they treat you. 
Do for your neighbor to the same measure that they do for you. That is not the great commandment. It is love your neighbor as yourself. This is not a command to self-love. This is just saying, hey, whatever you would do for yourself. For example, if you're hungry, what do you do? You eat. If you're thirsty, you drink. If you have a need, you go to extremes, right, to meet that need. Jesus said, love your neighbor as, and do for them as you would do for what you would need and how you would take care of yourself. We are not commanded to love our neighbors as they love us. So don't be this guy right here. Boy, you know, I've seen this picture a bunch. I want to know the story. You know there's a great story to this picture right here. I showed this a couple weeks ago somewhere, and someone said, well, maybe the house next door is vacant. I doubt it. I doubt it. Because there is no time needed to cover and, and remove the rest of that step. But here's what, here's what we do. My neighbor treated me a certain way, so here's how I'm going to treat my neighbor. This, our neighbor, the other person, is not how we measure love. That is what I do when I try to make myself feel better about not exercising or eating properly. Well, at least I'm eating better than that person. At least I, I walk. You know, I walked a half mile yesterday. I bet that guy didn't walk anything. You say, that's crazy, Ted. How ridiculous is that? But we do it with love all the time. I'm not like her. I'm not like him. I don't do it like that. I don't do it like that. And then when we see these, these, these videos and pictures of what a good neighbor looks like in a bad, and we automatically, isn't it something, every time we, we never side with the antagonist in a story. David and Goliath, we're always with David. We don't ever read it and go, oh, I'm probably Goliath in that story. Right, so for example, don't, don't, don't be this guy. I want you to not just see yeah, how she does it, but the response. Ball for her? Oh. Oh, an Astros fan. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, what was that, what was the adult lady doing to that little gal? Look at it. It's in her hands. To the little gal. She grabs she it, holds it tight, right woman, right rips it out of her hands, but I want you to watch ball. the response. Oh, the little girl walks away. One of our five mm. technicians there that works on our And we're like, how dare you? But we would be this guy right here. You say he gets away with a lot of those, and it's hard for hitters to square them up. We don't see that a whole lot. But Judge was on it. Not only a Yankee fan wearing a Judge t-shirt. <laughs> it's a Blue Jay fan. Look like a Blue Jay dad giving that Yankee kid the home run ball. So good job by everybody out there. Good job, Canada. That's a pretty nice sportsmanship by a Blue Jay fan out there. Giving that young Yankee fan a ball. Boy, that kid is not going to forget. I love the response. I love the response. One walks away, head down, rejected, something stolen from them by an action taken. And the other is like, this is how it is. But let's get honest for a second. Of course, when we watch that, we're the Blue Jays fan. Of course. If, the, if I catch a foul ball, I'm going to find the nearest child. Somebody said, Ted, how does this work with fishing? <laughs> well, <laughs> on the lake, it's every man for himself. I'm going to be honest with you. Don't bring fishing. Fishing has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. If you find a good hole, you do not move for your neighbor. That's all I'm trying to say. 
We've got, we see it all the time. It's all around us. We've got to stop comparing ourselves to how other people are loving and look to the true and only source. Know who the true and only source is and rely on the true and only source as we measure our love. 1 John 4, 15 through 16 reads, If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And watch. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. We don't know and rely on the love others have for us. We don't know and rely on how other people treat us. God is love. We love because he first loved us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. How do I know then? This is, this is a question I've been pondering. How can I know for sure I'm abiding in God's love? What's my test for that? How can I know I'm, I'm relying on the love God has for me? Well, I think the scripture speaks much to this. We go back to this passage often as a church, but I think we focus as a church on the second part of it more than the first part. Go back a chapter where we're going to spend a little bit of time and then go and close out in Romans 13 again. But we read this all the time, and on Mother's Day we share it often. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. As the family of God, as the local church, as believers in Christ Jesus, we are called to walk alongside people in whatever they're dealing with, in whatever season or stage of life. And every Sunday when we gather, there will be people mourning and there will be people rejoicing. And the body of Christ is about rejoicing with those who rejoice, being happy with those who are happy, mourning with those who got bad news, mourning with those who have experienced loss. But I think this is a great test for us because here's how we know we're abiding in God's love. Here's how we know the love of God is coming through us. It is not flowing through me. I am not relying on God's love if I rejoice with those who have bad news. If I mourn when when I hear someone share good news. Who are you rejoicing with and who are you mourning with? Because I think we get this backwards. We want those who hurt us or don't treat us well to not experience the good in their lives. Uh, You know, I don't, I'm going to just kind of dispel this rumor for just a brief second. Uh, Because I hear it around town a lot and and frankly, I just, I don't think it's true. You hear it that like churches are competing with each other and pastors don't get along. And I got to be honest with you, some of my closest friends in this town are pastors in this town. I mean, and, and then the pandemic, if I can be honest, as terrible as the pandemic was, it really helped with this. We all bonded during the pandemic. And we spend time talking to each other and caring for each other. I had a great coffee this week with a pastor friend in town, hour and a half. We laughed and we got frustrated together as we talked about you. Uh, we were bonding. And I know other people that were there at the coffee shop saw me and this other pastor together. And afterwards, I, I texted him because he truly, I can say this, he is a friend. He is a friend, someone I enjoy walking alongside in life. And, and so I texted him this. And he's got, he's got a great uh, sense of humor. I just texted him. I said, hey, man, you're the real deal. Thanks for the time today. And he responded with my brother. I can't thank you enough for meeting. You encourage me so much. I mean, you didn't really say anything that was directly encouraging. <laughs> he said, but somehow I was super encouraged by you. He said, you can talk about super dark, depressing stuff for an hour and a half. And somehow I walked away encouraged. So anyway, uh, 
That's kind of our dark sense of humor. We both have a dark sense. Anyway, so, so and, and here, here's what I, I just want I when I hear, like, because we're on the same team, when I hear God doing great things at his church, I rejoice. I should rejoice. When he's going through a difficult season and someone's kind I, I can mourn with him. So, so let's, let's get clear on this today. So I just right now in your mind, I want you to think about someone you just don't care for. It's easy. It won't take long. <laughs> think about someone who's wronged you. Think about someone who just, mm, man, they put the knife in your back and they twisted it a little bit. They said some things, they did some things, they're going after you and your livelihood, your reputation, your family, a child. Just think about someone who's wronged you. And here's just the emotions. You want to get even. Some of you are like, no, I'm not there. I'm not doing anything actively, you know, to go after them. Well, okay, maybe you sit on the sidelines, but you still want them to pay. You want them to hurt like you did. This is, we, as human beings, we all deal with this. I just, ooh. And you hear something happening to them, and deep down you're like, huh. Good. Good. They had it coming. You want them to hurt like you do. You want them to feel it. But we need to be, here's how we know we're abiding in the love God has for us. Rejoice when your neighbor wins. Rejoice. When something good happens to the person that has wronged you, can you rejoice? Someone in here just rubs you the wrong way. Extra grace required. When they share good news, can you rejoice? It's actually one of the best ways to know if someone is for you is how they respond when you share good news. Wow, that person is on my team. And today is Mother's Day. And Mother's Day is an opportunity. It's a difficult, it's a difficult day for many. It's a, it's, a, it's a great day, though, to test everything we're talking about right now. Because today we mourn alongside those struggling with infertility and those who lost a child or a mother. And, and Mother's Day is a, a very difficult day for this person. It's a very challenging day. And at the same time, as we already have this morning, we celebrate, we rejoice alongside those expecting and those spending the day with their child or mother. And I hear from people often leading up to this day, I won't be there Sunday. I won't be there on Mother's Day. Mother's Day is too painful for me. One, one way to know God is working in your life and in my life is that even when I've been through difficult seasons and stages of life and I've experienced great pain, I can look at someone else who is rejoicing and rejoice with them. That's hard. I'm not saying what I'm talking about today and what we're looking at is easy. But it's one way to know God is working in your life and you're abiding in him, that you can celebrate in the life of another person what's not happening in yours. That you can rejoice with the one who today is having lunch and dinner with their mom while you can't. This is not easy. This is challenging, I know. But we rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. We're going to stick in Romans 12, but finish out with verse 10 of this section. Love does no harm 
It does no harm. Verse 10 of chapter 13 says, does no harm to a neighbor, therefore hear it again. Love is the fulfillment of the law. If you go back to Romans 12, where we took rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn, we get this great bulleted list. It's a great list for us to process the measure of our love. And how well am I loving? Let's look at it. We'll just go through chapter 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Follower of Jesus, you have an opportunity right now with what's going on in our nation. As something we, as a church family, have prayed for for years. Travis spoke about it in January. I am praying fervently that the Supreme Court of the United States overturns Roe versus Wade. But I got to warn all of us on this right here. With that will come this, persecution. With that will become people wanting to go after you online. Bless and do not curse. Bless and do not curse. If you are knowing and relying on the one coming after you and your faith, you will return the favor with whatever they're bringing at you. But if you are knowing and relying on the love God has for you, You will rejoice and celebrate without cursing and pointing the finger and doing all the nasty that's going to be coming out. It's already coming out. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We have a very different way of going about all of this. And it's not what you're seeing. A pastor last week told me that he had to get off social media altogether because he found himself preaching angry. And I said, I can relate to that. He said, but you know what the bigger problem is? He said, the more I preached angry in the last two years, the more our congregation loved it. I'm not going to talk to that pastor anymore. I I didn't want any more of the conviction. (laughs) Well, that's not true of our church. It is though, isn't it? And there time, I, I find myself standing up here times preaching to three or four people who came at me, and it's like, that, ridiculous. It's not the other people that you find. Bless those who pray. Bless, do not curse. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Verse 19, do not take revenge. And here it is, going back to what we looked at first. Love your enemy as yourself. If your enemy's hungry, just as you get hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. Care for him. Do not be overcome by evil. What did Jesus say? In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The last few verses of Romans 13, our text today, is what Paul says. And do this, all this we've been talking about. And do this understanding the present time. What does scripture say? Chapter earlier, right? Don't be conformed by this world. The word can actually be seen as age, everything going on in this time. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. I heard a pastor say this week, we're all sleepwalking through this present time. And it's time for our inactivity. We need to wake up. And not sleepwalk. And then he gives this great word picture. Because our salvation is not speaking here of your justification by faith. It's not speaking of that. It's talking about the second coming, something that's in the future. Our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Meaning from the moment of your salvation to today. Today we're closer to the return of Christ than we were when we were saved. Goes on. 
The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. And we are not children of the night. This is imagery for Satan's domain. We are not of our father, the devil, and children of darkness. We are children of light. So how long do we keep loving? A debt that is never paid off. We do it until the Lord returns or you die. Take that away from today's message. How long am I supposed to love? Until the Lord returns or I'm dead. Until the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Jesus is the light of the world. You and I walk in love and we walk in light. Not in carousing and drunkenness and sexual immorality, debauchery. Not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In the context of loving one another as you love yourself. John Piper puts verse 14 this way. Let your friendship with Christ be as close as the shirt you wear. When you get up tomorrow morning and get dressed, put on Christ. Receiving Christ daily and fully is the key to love. And if you've never placed faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of your salvation. That you would put away the evil desires of the flesh. That you would confess your sin before your Father in heaven and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That today you would repent of that sin, turn to Jesus, confess with him, and confess to him that he is Lord, believe that he's been raised from the dead. The scripture says you will be saved. I pray, Woodland Hills Family Church, we're known as a loving, caring body where we care for each other well we care for those outside of our church well and all that's gone into today just think of all the blood sweat and tears that people poured into making today happen that is so when new people show up here they know we are loved and cared for and they leave and they go out to their car and they can know beyond the shadow of a doubt i matter to god and i matter to them and how people treat us will never be the standard for how we love God is love. We love because he first loved us, and we will know and rely on that love and all God's people said. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Father, it is in the name of Jesus that I pray for the one who's never repented of their sins, and they are children of darkness, walking around in this present time and in this dark age, living for themselves and living their own way, that today would be the day they confess that sin before you and receive Jesus as their Savior. For all of us today, to really think through the measure of our love and how well are we loving and not just to have a checklist that we keep track of, but that in all of our interactions and in all of our daily walk around ordinary life, we are loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. I pray a blessing on every mom today as they spend time with their kids and grandchildren. I pray for every son or daughter who this is the first day, first Mother's Day without their mom. This church family mourns with them. For those who've experienced great loss through miscarriage, through abortion, through those struggling with infertility, we mourn with them today. Thank you for being love and being our ultimate measure and our ultimate prize. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone agreed and said...